electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special Seattle edition of Mad Money from Starbucks World Headquarters. I'll be with my friends. I'm just trying to save you a little money. My job is just to entertain, but to put days like this in context... So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let me think. Heads, the bears win. Tails, the bulls lose. Wasn't that today's miserable setup? And it drives me nuts because it is a false construct created by the media and timid money managers, all stuffed into a seething cauldron of negativity that sent the Dow plunging 1,276 points. S&P plumbing 4.32%. And the NASDAQ nosediving 5.16%. By the way, that was the biggest decline since June of 2020. As people flood the stock market for greener bond passengers, or frankly, just plain old cash. Look, I cannot blame anyone for panicking after we got still one more red-hot consumer price index number, showing that non-commodity inflation has yet to peak. Uh, look, I know it was a horrendous day. It was horrendous. No matter how you slice it. And I don't like the action any more than you do. I am not sugarcoating how bad it was. But as much as I appreciate two-year Treasury notes that can now give you a 3.75% yield, I can't believe how fast that's moved. Basically risk-free, becoming a powerful competitor to stocks as well as a strong arbinger of recession. I still think it's a mistake to abandon stocks entirely. Hey, look, I mean, you got some spare cash. You can park it in Treasuries to give you a good return. However, if you dump all your stocks here, you are acting out of fear and panic-driven decisions. No, no! A rarely good ones. When I say that today was the setup for the Bears, a rigged fight. Some of that's because there was a last-minute surge in belief, buoyed by the big run in stocks leading up to this number, that this morning CPI's reading would be lower than expected. I get that. We've seen rents starting to come down. We know car companies are finally getting enough chips to go all out with production. 
beef and chicken prices we've confirmed are dropping. We know oil and gas has been, a con- they've been consistent decliners. Companies that raise their prices are starting to lose market share to others that don't. Witness McCormick, the spice company we talked about just last night. There's just one problem. Every one of these changes simply didn't occur fast enough to make it into last month's consumer price index data, which is why this reading laid the market to waste. Hence why the Fed has indicated it will hit us with a 75 basis point rate hike next geez, next week and possibly another one at its November meeting if we don't get more encouraging inflation data. No wonder short-term Treasury yields have soared while Treasury prices have collapsed. If that doomsday scenario of two more triple rate hikes comes true, who the heck needs the two-year at 3.75% when Fed rates are going to get you 4%? Worse, as soon as we saw the CPI print, we heard clatter, uh, chatter, and I got to tell you, I get it, and I think it's ugly, but I get it, that we might get a full percentage point hike. Unheard of for the ages. I don't believe it, but I understand people are talking about it. Now, at the risk of painting an alternative picture, imagine we had gotten a CPI number that was slightly lower than expected rather than slightly higher. And remember, this reading was only a little worse than the consensus. If it had been a little better than expected, the same people who were moaning today and groaning about rampant inflation would be telling a very different story, believe me, but it would be just as negative. It might go something like this. Today, we had the first signs of a recession in the making, a crashed airplane, if you will, because the Fed is determined to take rates up another 75 basis points next week, just when inflation is beginning to cure itself. That's right. The most important components have begun to go lower. Cars, food, rents, even after gasoline. But the tone-deaf Fed, now it's going to crush us, sending us right through the windshield anyway. Then they make a big production about how Powell doesn't realize he's winning and he's determined to cause a severe recession for no reason whatsoever. Now, I am guaranteeing you that would have been the story today if today's CPI number had come in a little bit cooler. So let me ask you, why the heck won't anybody give this guy a break? Why won't anyone give Jay Powell the benefit of the doubt that he will get it right? No severe recession, no endemic inflation. He knew the number was coming in hot. He's been talking about raising rates by 75, not 50, right? I mean, everyone was talking 50. Remember, he was the one who went to 75. He's done a much better job than his central banker compadres in the rest of the world. He took rates to zero to save us from a catastrophic COVID recession that many other countries had to go through. Once we got effective vaccines, he realized business would snap back, and he eventually started raising rates, unlike the hapless Chinese Communist Party, which refuses to use the good vaccines and keeps locking down chunks of the economy, regardless of what it does to actual, let's say, thought prospects for the way China's going to turn out. As for inflation and the supply chain crisis, these aren't U.S. problems. They're worldwide problems. I defy you to show me a developed country that's in better shape than the U.S. right now. You can't do it. So we should sell stocks on that? Was Powell a little behind the curve? He's admitted he's That was his whole rap. Sure. But he's not behind the curve like everybody else, especially the European Central Bank. And now he's ratcheting rates up as fast as he can. I don't think he needs to go 100 basis points because so many companies have already taken action to tamp down inflation. Plus, a 100 basis point hike would terrify people. It makes you think we're in Weimar, Germany, a situation where the price of bread doubles every day between breakfast and lunch. So how come nobody wants to give Powell the benefit of the doubt? Why are so many money managers committed to being negative? My email is flooded with people who think this guy's a total idiot. 
I think it's because they're fighting the last war, the war of 2007, when the yield of the two-year Treasury trade as high as it did today, not long before, yes, the Great Recession. Like then, like now. Hey, pretty simple. But this is not 2007 or 2008. Back then, we had a dangerously over-levered system. The consumer was over-leveraged. And they were still flipping houses left to right with no documentation. The financial world was packaging bogus mortgages into bundles and then writing all sorts of derivatives on them in order to gain the system. You couldn't even untangle the stuff. The whole thing was a house of cars. That was the age of mass bankruptcies, mass foreclosures, runs on the bank. Is that like now? Does that seem at all like now to you? Just this morning, we actually heard that bank defaults are shrinking. Again, though, we have that false dichotomy because when the facts change, the bears, well, they just change the darn narrative. More like. We're either headed for a dire recession or the economy is so overheated that the Fed's going to deliberately cause a dire recession to cool things down. They can't imagine a middle ground like you and I would think of where we actually do thread the needle. So why bother to stay the course? I mean, after today, you have to say, what the heck is Kramer talking about? Well, I'm going to give you a couple big reasons. First, when it comes to the fight against inflation, we have already won some major battles. Oil's come down huge from its highs. Okay, maybe because Russia's flooding the world with crude in order to pay for its war. They're selling through India and China at lower prices. The longer the war lasts, the lower oil goes. Second, the real inflation hit from the war in Ukraine has to do with natural gas for Europe. But now the Ukrainians have made some major breakthroughs, and if they can win decisively, and they can, looks more and more like that each day, then the price of natural gas is going to fall because there's no reason for Russia to choke off the supply to Western Europe if there's a truce. In fact, by the way, natural gas prices have come down hard in the last few days. Third, it's important to recognize that the so-called embedded inflation that everybody's got you so scared about only lasts until the labor market loosens up and we see the end of mass job hopping. I think we're already headed in that direction as we see more layoffs. You can't job hop when it's hard to find work. We're already seeing it in tech and finance. Other areas will follow. Fourth, there's a failure of imagination among the bears. They look at embedded inflation and can only think of one solution. Taking the federal funds rates to heights not seen since the early 80s when Paul Volcker engineered a horrific recession to tame inflation by taking rates to the high teens. I think Powell's made it very clear he will stop embedded inflation by any means necessary. I like that. But I don't believe we need the full early 80s treatment here. The whole idea of rates in the teens strikes me as totally out of touch with reality for everybody except for the people who have a microphone. Finally, we're not looking at a collapsing earnings scenario, not after outfits like Starbucks, where I am now just gave us a staggeringly positive outlook this very afternoon. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Look, I'm not saying you need to buy something here yet. We only bought one stock for the travel touch today. One, despite this giant decline. And warned people that we don't want to be aggressive ahead of Thursday's club meeting at noon. We know a bounce may not directly be in the offing. We just had a huge run. We'll assess the damage in a deeper dive then. But the bottom line, we sure weren't selling. We didn't join the throng. You know why? Because we think the throng will ultimately be wrong. Let's take calls. Let's go to Kimberly in Iowa. Kimberly. Booyah, Jim, from rural Iowa. Welcome back from vacation. Oh, I'm wondering thank you. About... It was a nice one. I was with my wife. We had a good time. Good time. What's going on? The world needs clean energy, and I'm wondering if we have a company 
that is poised to provide hydrogen and nuclear. I'm wondering about Honeywell. Okay, I think Honeywell, we bought some today. It's funny you mentioned that's the one stock we did buy. We bought a little of that for the travel trust. Why? For precisely what you said. And because also we think with travel, aerospace will follow. We think the throng will only be wrong. On Man Money tonight, we're coming at you from the Starbucks Investor Day and going one-on-one with interim CEO and visionary Howard Schultz and his team, he's over here, to learn more about the company and his tenure at the helm of the coffee kingpin. Then, from consumer spending to food inflation, Costco has its finger on the pulse of a host of metrics. And I'm learning more about what the company is seeing from the CEO. And believe me, it's a positive story. Then on a tough day for the market, I'm actually offering a more optimistic, nuanced viewpoint and helping you find opportunity amid the sea of rent. From Starbucks headquarters, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Where do you hide when the whole market's melting down over yet another overheated inflation number? I think you circle the wagons around the companies that help mitigate the damage of rising prices. And nobody does that better than charitable trust holding Costco, 
which is why the stock's holding up so much better than the average this year. Good thing I'm here in Seattle, right by their headquarters. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Craig Jelinek, the CEO of Costco. Take a look. First, it is an honor to see you. Every time I do, it reminds me of the tradition of Costco, which is just plain old-fashioned value and quality. Nothing's changed. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate that. I don't know about being an honor, but I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I have uh, seen, as you have, that we had a price uh, increase in food. Once again, consumer price index. The American people are beleaguered by the increase in food. Now, I often say, maybe too glibly, go to Costco. You won't see that. But somehow your prices are different for food than pretty much every other establishment I go to. How's that possible? Well, I, you know, we're, we're very careful on our pricing. We've got a membership model. And, you know, we have a responsibility to be the price police. We're always trying to figure out how we can lower prices, not raise prices. We're not a margin company. We're a volume company. And uh, these are the times that you look to build market share. Um, of course, there is inflation. We're like everybody else. We can't absorb it all. But we certainly try to figure out how we work with our suppliers to continue to lower prices. And I think you're going to see probably this for a period of time, maybe another six months to a year, but things will start to come down. If you start to see now fuel prices are coming down, which is a big part of distribution costs, distribution is starting to level out and come down. I think you'll see anything in non-food coming from China that uh, is not going to go away, and container costs are starting to come down. So I see this uh, hopefully turning around in six months to a year. Well, that's a... And keep so, in mind, I'm not an economist. No, but you have better <laughs> I sell data. Mayonnaise. You have better data than the economists. All right, now, one of the reasons why a lot of people can tell me everything has to go up is because of the so-called great resignation. Now, I know Costco is a place of the great love. Are you seeing tremendous resignation by your people to go anyplace, job hop, in order to make more money? We have not seen a lot of that, no. We have seen it in the tech field. Now, that is starting to slow down dramatically because you see a lot of tech companies talking about um, layoffs and yes. things like that. But, you know, we're not a tech company. We're not a glamorous place to be for technology like an Amazon or a Microsoft. So we have seen some of that. Our overall core business, not really. We did see during the pandemic, we probably, our turnover runs about 6 7% a year. It started creeping up to 11%. But that started to level out also. Oh, good. Okay, because I hate to see. I always want to see the same people when I go to my Costco, and I tend to. People are very proud to have them work for me. Normally, it's the new employees. Oh, That's okay, where good to know. you have some turnover. Now, speaking of new, new people who follow your company, I have always been a big believer in Kirkland, the brand. Uh, but my daughter recently showed me a TikTok, a TikTok presentation about it can be Kirkland. This is a change. We've, and I know you didn't pay these people, but younger people discovering that the Kirkland brand is better than branded. You know, we've been doing Kirkland brand probably for since 19, I want to say 90. And, uh, you know, it's just a brand that we started with uh, trash bags and it kind of took a life of, an, of its own. And it's a quality, quality merchandise. 
at the best possible price. We don't have a lot of overhead that we have to pay in that pricing. And we test every item. I try every item. It's got to be quality or we won't sell it. Well, are more people tra- so-called trading down to Kirkland, even though you and I know that's not a trade down? I just want to clarify, it is not a trade down. <laughs> it has a lower price and it's a greater value. But we see Kirkland penetration continue to, to grow every year. Now, we talked about uh, price affliction at gaining. Now, I, I think there was a period where you felt the chickens were too high. Everybody likes your roasted chicken. So you took matters in your own hand. You don't necessarily pay the price everybody else does. Your chicken factor, it's monstrous. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big, big factory. We produce a lot of our chickens out of there. Uh, we're very fortunate that we have it at the moment, particularly with the problem availability of uh, poultry. But, uh, you know, we are vertical integrated in a lot of things. We do our own lenses with optical. Uh, we produce our own hot dogs. One of the reasons we continue to keep the hot dog at $1.50 is because we manufacture our own hot dogs. Uh, we have our own ground beef plant. So we continue to do vertical integration, and we think it's a way to keep prices down. Why did younger people tell me you changed the price of the hot dog? They we just did? don't know? Yeah, that's just wrong. It is wrong. That's, uh, you can't <laughs> change primary. the price of the hot dog. And other people told me they haven't brought back the samples. I've seen the samples. Yeah, the samples are back. The hot dog has to change price. So I don't know what to tell you. All right. Now, the one area that you yourself have been critical of is, is that you felt that you weren't doing enough in e-commerce. Has that changed? Well, you know, our e-commerce business, as you know, I guess it's been two years. We bought uh, a logistics company from uh, Sears and Roebuck. We have our own last mile logistics company. We're very big and, and big and bulky. Our uh, white goods business, our big screen television sets, uh, patio furniture, things like that. We're growing our business rapidly in that business. Where we're slowing down a little bit is in the small pack, right? And I think you see everybody overall right at the moment. It's not so fashionable anymore to shop e-commerce. Everybody is coming into back. back to the stores. And if you really look at e-commerce, you know, there's a lot of people that tell you that, you know, purchase, if they call it digital purchasing now, buy at the store or order online, pick up at the store. Well, the reasons that you do that, because it's less expensive right. than having to ship it. So All right, there's now, a lot of factors there. Uh, balance sheet good. Uh, the, uh, another large company that competes against you just raised membership prices. Is that a good opportunity for you to take share or do you uh, use them as a, a follow their price? No, we'll, we'll, you know, we've, all I hear is when you're going to raise the fee, when you're going to raise the fee. We'll raise the fee when we raise the fee. And right now is not the time to raise the fee. Uh, how about that armada of ships that you had from the east to the west? <laughs> Have you been able to get rid of that now that pricing has come down dramatically in containers? We're working on that. Yeah, we still have our fleet, but as time goes, we'll start to uh, work out of our fleet. Okay. Now, I find that... Uh, Something that people don't realize is that you don't necessarily intend to make money on, on everything. I, someone was saying, Jim, they must be losing money on Camus, uh, the unbelievably good wine. And I came back and said, look, they're trying to do volume. Don't you understand that that's different? We don't sell by merchandise and sell low cost. We will buy. When you buy in volume, you can get some substantially good pricing. And what we do is we don't put that in margin. We're not a margin company. We're a volume company. We buy in bulk and sell at very hot prices. 
That's well, what we do. Well, if that's what you do, then those of uh, people who are constantly fretting about inflation, they have to hope that a Costco comes near them. You can put so many more. One of my, one of my Costco's is such a long line. I guess it's just not necessarily easy to just throw up a Costco. And not everybody wants a Costco in the area. I, the politicians. I don't know a single consumer that doesn't want a Costco in the area. True? Uh, I would say true. But, you know, I might be a, you know, a little pessimist. I have to hope that there's one everywhere, including, by the way, China. I know that's a tough market. Well, but China has is a tough market. Uh, We've got another four under construction. We have two open four in China. And, uh, you know, it is a tough market, but we think there's an opportunity there. Well, incredible. Well, I, I think if you think there's an opportunity, then I understand there is an opportunity. Craig Jelinek, CEO of Costco, to me, the great bargain value place quality place in America. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Coming up, should the market expect a venti-sized reinvention from Starbucks? The coffee giant takes center stage with its Investor Day, and Kramer has the roast with the most next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hell up surprisingly well today. The stock of Starbucks. Why? Because today, Seattle's most iconic company held a big investor event where they laid out some ambitious plans to revamp the chain while also introducing the new CEO, Luxman Narasimhan, who's coming from Reckitt Benckiser, the challenge European consumer packaged goods powerhouse. Perhaps more importantly, the company announced some new financial targets for the next three years that were well above what anyone on the street was expecting, including high single-digit comps, low double-digit revenue growth, and high teens earnings per share growth. That's why the stock, which is a holding of my Chapel Trust, to be talked about at length, on Thursday's club meeting, did much better than the major averages today. And if there was a better tape, I bet it would have been up significantly. But don't take it from me. Tonight, we're thrilled to be joined by Howard Schultz, the founder and interim CEO of Starbucks. Mr. Schultz, welcome back to Mad Money. Come on, Howard. All right, Howard, welcome back to Mad Money. And more importantly, thank you so much for 
you and all the gracious people, because it's always more than just you when we come out here, for allowing us to see what I can only call the future. Thank you, Jim. It's right here. Yeah, great to have you in sunny Seattle. Right. All right, so tell me, uh, let, let's talk numbers for a second. Sure. Everyone says, Jim, because my chat was just a big position. Jim, it's, it's not as good as it used to be. I'm getting numbers that tell me it's the opposite. It's better than it used to be. Well, let's, let's talk about the facts. Okay. okay? I, we said in our presentation today, this is a new era of growth for Starbucks. But we have the evidence. So two weeks ago, just think about this. Two weeks ago, we introduced the fall campaign in the U.S. at a time when people were so worried about inflation yeah. and consumer confidence. We had the best single week in the history of Starbucks, 51 years other than holiday, two weeks ago. We have double-digit comps. Now, the, the guidance that we talked about today for the future, for the next year or so, double-digit revenue, double-digit EPS, accelerated growth in our store base, and strengthening in our comps. In addition to that, we're going to open up one store a day. No, I'm sorry, one store every nine hours in China. We have 6,000 stores in China. By 2025, China will be bigger than the U.S. So Starbucks is ready for this moment in time at a time in America where people are doubting the consumer. We are not. Doubting China, we are not. Inflation's going to come down. China's going to come back. And the equity of the brand has never been stronger at Starbucks Coffee Company. That's a fact. Is it time, really, to turn over to a new leader? You sound as enthused as the day I met you. Well, what I said today is, you know, you don't hear the word love very much in business. I love this company deep responsibility to our people. And that's why I'm so convinced and so proud that Laxman is the next CEO. We had a global search. We found the right guy. He's got heart, conscience, sensibility, understands the culture. He's a global citizen. And most importantly, he's steeped in humility. Uh, yes, well known as steeped in humility, even though he had a three-year turnaround of a company that a lot of people thought was broke. Okay, look what he did. Right. Didn't think he'd be yeah. finished. Now, I had the great privilege of going through what I call the store of the future. And the store of the future answers a lot of the objections for everyone from the bears about inflation to the possibility of maybe I have to go to one of these competitors because, you know what, it's too hard, the line is too long, they can't make it, yeah. people are unhappy, all that stuff. You're answering every objection that people have about Starbucks. Well, let's take a step back, though, and, and examine the fact that during COVID and post-COVID, the expectation and the concern for any worker at any retail or fast food or restaurant is much greater than it has in the past. And Starbucks did not meet the challenge in the past. We, we have to admit that. And so we have much work to do to exceed the expectations of our people. Now, what you saw today was we are completely overhauling the cold beverage station, which now represents 70% of our revenue. And we're doing it in a way that gives our people more opportunity for craft of coffee, more opportunity to engage with the customer. And what we talked about today is at the core of Starbucks' 51-year success is emotional connection. And it's not just based on the physical aspect of the third place. The third place is a feeling. We can enhance the feeling in a drive-thru. We can enhance the feeling on mobile order and pay. And so we're elevating the experience through automation, through new store design, and proprietary equipment that we've designed ourselves. I am so enthused about the future of the company recognizing we don't have all the answers today, but the future of Starbucks, we said it over and over today, has never been brighter. Our best days are ahead of us. I agree. And one of the reasons why I agree is, is that one of the things we know is if you can personalize at scale, which, by the way, no one can, mm-hmm. then that's the holy grail. 
I heard that I could get my triple venti cappuccino with skin wet just by holding my PC, even in Milan, which, yes. by the way, is darn good. And I thought that was the Italian, uh, that was the espresso cap of the world. You're crushing it there. But it will be available, right? Right in my, right yeah, in my by, handheld. By a push of the button, you will be able to get exactly what you just said. But it's, it's not just, we don't want to just do it fast. We want to do it in a way in which we can literally exceed the expectations of the customer. Starbucks has never been in the transaction business. Now, let me explain that. Clearly, what's happened is the, the business has moved 50% drive-through, 25% mobile order and pay. Now, if you said five years ago, the business is going to change that much and Starbucks is no longer going to be relevant. The truth is, we have more business today than we ever have before. And so the relevance of the equity of the brand is greater today because we are adapting, we're being more flexible, and we're meeting the customer where they are. Did you ever think that cold brew would come on like this? No. And someone told me many years ago that 70% of our business would be cold. But let's, let's examine that. Our core business today, more than any other cohort, is Gen Z. And we are more relevant with Gen Z than any other consumer brand. They're the ones who are driving cold. So we've adapted to cold, adapted to drive-through, adapted to mobile or and pay, and we are in a position to win where the customer wants us. This store I saw can make it fast. I, I don't want to yeah. go to the other guy because it's fast personalization, which, again, inconceivable. I've never seen it done. I've never seen fast personalization at scale. I think you're right. And I think 100 million people are coming to Starbucks every week, and they're coming for Starbucks today in a more in a way they want faster service, just like you said. But right. we do not want to embrace transactions. We want to embrace experiential convenience. We will be more convenient, but we want to create the experience that you've known Starbucks to be. Now, we're going to be talking a lot more about you and the future, but I did want to say that as someone who has now been taught by my kids that waste is the enemy, I saw how much waste you cut back. Glorious. Well, well I, you know... When, when we came back in early April and we looked at all of the issues facing Starbucks, and there were a plethora, right. one of the areas that surprised me is how much waste there was in the system. And so the, the, these new, this new system, the siren system you saw, the new coffee makers we saw, that reduces waste significantly, makes the beverage higher quality and faster, just like you said. So it's a triple win for the company, the, cu the customer, and the planet. Let's help others follow it. Let's help yeah. others listen. All right, we're going to have more with Howard Schultz Coming up, Mad Money Sally through Seattle continues with more from Starbucks next. Look, the main reason we came out here to Seattle this week is because of today's big Starbucks Investor Day event. And the coffee titan did not let us down. If the market hadn't rolled over today, darn it, I think today's announcement would have sent the stock into overdrive. So many angles to the story. We needed to spend some extra time with Starbucks founder and interim CEO Howard Schultz to cover it all. Let's get right back to it. Howard, Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. the... Uh, the future, I agree, is brighter than the past. But one of the things that I do want to talk about in the past was that when you started this company, you had ideals. Now, we do hear periodically that business is the greatest force of social change. But wasn't that at the heart of what you were trying to do? Well, in 87, believe it or not, we had 11 stores and 100 employees. And even then, the mission of the company was to create this fragile balance between profitability, the fiduciary responsibility to shareholders, and the balance between our conscience, the benevolence, and sharing success with our people. And if you look at the things we did all those years, equity in the form of stock options, comprehensive health insurance, free college tuition, 
So every single time that we've tried to advance and grow the company, it's been balanced through the lens of humanity and trying to do the right thing for every constituent. The other thing is, as the company has scaled, I mean, the ubiquity of Starbucks, 35,000 stores around the world, the challenge has always been, how do you get big and stay small? How do you maintain intimacy with the customer? And we do that by recognizing, I don't want to talk about the scale of Starbucks. I want to talk about one customer, one cup of coffee at a time, and one great store. And so reducing it to the lowest common denominator. And since we've come back in April, we got back to the core of the issues. What is our core purpose and reason for being? And it's to exceed the expectations of our people so they can exceed the expectations of our customers. It's that simple. It's so tough to live on Wall Street and listen to you because people felt, oh, boy, did he let shareholders down. He stopped buying back stock. But in reality, what you decided to do was invest in the business in a very tangible way. And from what I can see, it's paying off. You know, that was an interesting day for me. Our first day back, I looked at the balance sheet of Starbucks and the investment I thought we needed to make to our people, which was north of a billion dollars. Starbucks had been buying $6 billion worth of stock back in the last two years. Buying back stock is not the wrong thing to do, but if you're out of balance and you're not not investing in your people, it is the wrong thing to do. And so the shareholders, I think, had a short-term mentality about that. But look at the growth of Starbucks. If we invest in our people, shareholder value is going to come back. And over the life of Starbucks, look what we've been able to do. We've always been able to exceed expectations. And I I feel like we're going to under-promise and exceed again. Twice I've seen you have to come back. Uh, I know that's difficult. Uh, you and I are both getting up there, okay? Uh, how do we know this is over? I mean, this yeah. is it. You're going to be a member of the board. Yeah. Lachman's, I think, going to be fantastic. I've known him from what he's done at a very difficult situation of a company that wasn't doing that well. Uh, is this really it? Are you going to do something new? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've said publicly two things. We found the absolute right person. Starbucks has its wind at its back. We have a great new leadership team. I am not coming back a fourth time. I'm going to stay on the board. I'm going to work with Laxman. And my personal promise and commitment to Melody Hobson, our chair, and to Laxman, is I'm going to do everything I, I can, humanly possible, to ensure his success. And he's the right guy. If you spend five minutes with Laxman, you know this is a man steeped in humility, understands the culture of that company, is a global citizen, and is a great operator and what has surprised me the most about him, he is a significant entrepreneur. He's gotten so creative. So this guy's going to be great for Starbucks. Now, uh, can he restore, and some people think, uh, I, I have to tell you, two of my Starbucks, I don't feel as, as third places anymore. I feel like I'm someone holding down a table. Can you bring that back? Well, I, you know, I've said publicly a couple of things. You know, the, the Starbucks of today was not designed for the societal issues we have. I've been talking to mayors across the country about safety issues, about homeless problems. The government has to do its share. But the third place is not only a physical place in the four walls of Starbucks. It's an emotional feeling. And we're seeing that play out in other aspects of our business. So we're going to embrace the third place in many different forms. I'm not worried about that at all. And the thing is, the the business has changed so dramatically, but we're winning. We're winning. All right. Now, from the very beginning, you know this, when I came, oh, actually, for many years I've talked about this, that you are the ambassador of our capitalism. Mm-hmm. I think that that can continue, but I 
don't know whether the message has been lost. Okay, well. Can you reiterate, can you get out there again, or can you come and get out there again and show people what America really is like? This is America. This is what we do. We create dignity. We believe in dignity. We create fair wages. I have a feeling that people don't understand that, that your form of capitalism is a winning form for, for workers, not just for shareholders. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I've said over the last couple of years that there is a crisis of capitalism in America. Yes, there is. Where people are being left behind. Capitalism for the future has to be one of generosity and one of shared success. A company cannot win on the backs of its people. Shareholders win when people win. Shareholders win when there's opportunity for people. We're employing 400,000 people around the world. We want to create great pathways for opportunity, economic development. And we want to demonstrate that Starbucks can be the kind of company that people can look to. Not that we're going to be preaching, but as a model for the, the right kind of capitalism in which everybody can win. Okay, but yeah. we share a common idealism that's steep from 60s, 70s, yeah. period where I know I was a shop steward, uh, organizer, yeah. failed, candidly helped bring down a company, never went that. But how do you fight the idealism of young people who believe in the union and think that that's the best way to be able to increase benefits and do better? Well, clearly, I think uh, there is a cultural and political change going on in America. We don't want to fight the union. We have a different vision uh, for the relationship with our people. We don't think there should be a third party, but our people have a right to organize. But we have a right to provide them with a different vision. And we've been doing it well for 51 years. We didn't have a union telling us to provide equity in the form of stock options, free college tuition. So uh, we, we'll just see how this all plays out. But we have a different vision for our people. Uh, one last question. Yeah. Uh, Howard Schultz, you one time contemplated running for president. Yeah. Thought you had a lot of great ideas. Yeah. Uh, politics versus business, how different are they? Well, I learned a lot. I didn't succeed. It was a very humbling experience for me and my family. Uh, I don't think that's in my future uh, going forward, but I want to do everything I can from the point of our family foundation uh, to make life easier for a lot, a lot of people other people. people have to recognize is real. Yeah, I well, mean, yeah. Well, it's the same way that it's real for what you've done with vets. These are yeah. real, substantive, yeah. real. Well, thank you very much. Um, I mean, politics is a different game. I wasn't suited for it, but I want to do everything I can to elevate the American dream and economic development for all. I want to thank Howard yeah. Schultz, founder and interim CEO of Starbucks. I'm going to miss you. Oh, I'm, don't worry. I'm, I'm... All right. Promise we'll have, a, we'll have an espresso in Milan. Cold brew. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. We'll be back at this. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Edition of the Light Around Man Money. That's where I take your calls right before you say this. I say bye bye bye. Don't do this. Play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the Light Round. Came to the Let's start with Angel in Nevada. Angel. Hi, Dr. Kramer. Thank you for picking up the call. I really appreciate it. Um, had a quick question for All right. you. I am pretty pretty deep in SoFi. What's going on with SoFi? All right. Well, people feel that because of the uh, they discontinue some of these uh, student loans. That's bad for them. Also, people don't like the banks. It's just a world of hurt. But at five bucks, let's just roll with it. Taji in Hawaii. Taji. Booyah, Jim. I've been a viewer since 2005 when I first saw you pound the table on Sears Holdings with SHLD written on your knuckles. 
Today, I want to know your advice on Matson, M-A-T-X. Um, I think that that company's holding going to come under pressure. There's a lot of sense that maybe these shipping companies have been making a little too much money. And for records, Sears Holdings went up six times before I sold people to sell it. Six times! I'll take that game any day of the week. Hey, let's go to Marla in Tennessee. Marla! Hi, Jimmy Chill. Marla. Greetings uh, the chill the is home. trying so hard. This is not a chill day. All right. That's okay. we got to think positive. I'm home here of the Jack like Daniels that. Distillery, so it can't be all bad. No. Well, I'm also one of your faithful investor club members, and you do a great job. you got to keep us going now. Oh, thank you. Thank you so Take much. So what do we got? Listen, I'm looking at Stellantis. What? Likes Stellantis, but let's stick with Ford. All we need is Ford under under 15. That's terrific. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. In this seemingly awful environment, where the whole market can crumble on a single suboptimal consumer price index number, what in the world could make someone optimistic about the future? And when I say someone, I mean me. How could I say something so crazy? Because I've seen the future, and it just doesn't scare me. Do you know why I really make these pilgrimages to other parts of this country? It's to learn firsthand where we're headed. You simply can't take the pulse of the economy if all you do is stare at your screens and listen to reports while you're sitting in New York City. And you definitely can't get a good read from backward-looking data like the Consumer Price Index. That's like betting on a football game based on how the team did last year. Do I decide that the Geno Smith-piloted Seattle Seahawks are a much better team than last year's Seahawks run by Russell Wilson because of last night's win? Intellectually bankrupt. Just like sports, markets are dynamic. They change. Today, I saw how Starbucks plans to increase throughput while making better tasting, personalized coffee for less money, while also appeasing the green apron partners behind the bar. The innovation is extraordinary. You know what I, what all this is called? It's called productivity. And anything that boosts productivity can help tamp down inflation because it means getting more done with fewer people. Remember, the big here, the big worry here is wage inflation. It's the stickiest cut. And better technology is how companies get that under control. Throw in the fact that Starbucks aims to make its coffee cheaper, no compromise on quality, and you know that's going to put pressure on the rest of the industry. It's possible that my neighborhood blue bottle will no longer be able to charge $8 for a cold latte. We all know it's the Federal Reserve's job to get inflation under control, but remember, on a huge down day, and I admit it's huge, that the Fed's job is a lot easier when smart companies adapt to the current environment by fighting inflation on their own, not just because the government says to do it. And that, not this huge down day, is the big story of my trip to Seattle. Earlier today, I sat down with Craig Jellinek, CEO of Costco, the ultimate inflation warrior. While Costco's not immune to higher food costs, they're determined to hold the line on prices so that you keep paying your membership fees. Sure, there are plenty of other retailers that can't or won't do that. But Costco's a big company. In this environment, I think they can force the rest of the industry to follow their cue. 
Otherwise, Costco is going to take a ton of market share. Yesterday, we went to Amazon Web Services. This business has a double mantra. Cut costs while giving the customer a better price. I think Amazon has been the most powerful force for deflation in the last 20 years. We know everybody wants to travel. But in this environment, they want to travel cheap, which is why Seattle's Expedia is so essential. Their algorithms find you the lowest prices. And now that we're all worried about a recession, too, I'm betting the travel companies start undercutting anyone who raises price. Now, we know consumer prices tend to fall a lot more slowly than they rise. You know that. But it does happen. We're currently seeing both demand destruction and people trading down to cheaper alternatives. There's a desperate thirst for quality private label knockoffs, which is why a TikTok video called Kenneth Kirkland could be passed around to millions of people. That's Costco's private label brand, if you're not a member. On a horrendous day for the bulls. I know I'll be dismissed as a cockeyed optimist whenever I talk about how the fight against inflation may be going better than you think. The armchair economists and hedge fund managers who love to chastise me were certainly right today. But when you go out to the companies that can determine pricing going forward, I can tell you they're not looking for reasons to increase price. They're looking for places to cut price while improving quality. The only problem, you have to go out and see them to find out. I've been on the front line with the real inflation fighters, not the Federal Reserve, but the great business people who use ingenuity and technology to tamp down costs in order to get an advantage over their competitors. Inflation, can it be Kirklanded? You bet it can. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.